Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. Hi, this is Griffin McElroy. This is wonderful. A show where we talk about things that are good, we like, is in, and are into them. The sh- the This is a show where we talk about things we like. That's good. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to say one thing I like, small wonder right off the bat. Uh, the, the SAG strike is has ended. Yeah. And so the, I think maybe two different times that I prepared segments and then was like, wait a minute, I can't. <laughs> I can't talk about this at all. Uh, yeah. good, those can, we can trot those right right back out. There's going to be so much stuff we didn't know about that's all going to like drop today. Shrek, they already announced a new Shrek today. <laughs> Not a joke. <laughs> Shrek 5, they announced today, which is so- Magical. Which like, I'm, I'm on Tinder hooks to find out <laughs> what other kind of delightful surprises. Boss Baby 3, like what else does DreamWorks got like fully ready to launch? Yeah. Have they said whether or not Michael Myers is also attached to this product? Maybe, maybe. We don't know. I don't Mm -hmm. know if Mike Myers is attached to it. Yeah, I realize as I said his whole first name that that was not A wild take. We can also talk about the fact that apparently I am in the new Trolls movie because they have my voice in the trailer doing a a joke from the second Trolls movie. Yeah, did you ever... Didn't ever got to the bottom of that. Couldn't no. really put the put put Trav Nation on the case to dig into <laughs> it because I, I couldn't ding dang mention it. Yeah. Didn't know. Wasn't informed. But uh, who who knows, man? Who knows? So we're looking forward to those residual checks. Thanks, SAG, for uh, for for getting that good deal. Um, yes. So that's that's very exciting news. Do you have a small wonder? Yeah, I wanted to bring up the realization we had yesterday, which is that our uh, one of our neighbors has their Christmas lights up. Huge, huge, huge choice to, to do that on November 8th. Yeah. I- <laughs> yeah, I was talking to Griffin about it. Because it's not like they don't have like inflatables. It's no. it's like it's festive, Test- but not tasteful. not like tied really to the holiday. The only reason I recognized it was because it was the same light pattern as last year. And I right. thought like, oh, they're oh, doing it. Well, I'm sorry, honey. Are you suggesting that there is a version of what they did that could be charitably considered Thanksgiving lights? Or like if people <laughs> festoon their house in small lights, I usually I don't assume like, oh man, they are really going all out for Veterans Day this year. <laughs> well, it's just like it's a little less committal, I guess. It's I mean, obviously there's there's not really a, a widely known tradition of Thanksgiving lights. Yeah. But it's not like they have like Mr. Claus out there like with a bag saying like, hey, I'm on my way. Yeah, yeah, yeah It's sure. more like, look at all these lit up trees. Isn't that pretty? Yeah. And I thought like, yeah, it is pretty. Thank you. You're saying slap a nativity out there. Too much. Too no. early. Okay. Too much too early. But lights? Eh, why not? Okay. That's awesome. I'm, I'm, I, th- I didn't know how I felt about it at first. I felt challenged, but it, then I realized it's not about me. Exactly. You go first this week. <laughs> I do. Let's hear it. This is another one where it's difficult for me to figure out what to call it. I um, had the same issue with my shit this week. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like it. it's just kind of learning new things as an adult. Okay. Uh, it's kind of my general category. If I say like adult education, that's like a that's very a specific thing. kind yeah. of thing. Uh, so I didn't really want to say that. I just realized for me... Part of what I like about my job, and I'm speaking of my job outside of the podcasting space, although it happens here too, uh, is that I'm always getting to learn new things. Sure. Keeps me like more engaged and enthusiastic about what I'm doing. And I feel like it does something in my brain that feels like good. Yeah. I think that's, I think that, I think that's what all brains do. do. When they learn something new, they're like, they shoot out, you know, the juice that makes the brain feel good. Uh Uh-huh. So that. 
the brain is like, well, let's keep doing that then. And I think when I was researching this topic, it helped me kind of get a more positive perspective on it. Because okay. like there was a period of time back when I had free time where I would take up like, I'm going to do pottery yes. and I'm going to do rock climbing. I just thought like, how um, how uncommitted was I that I gave it up so quickly? You know? Well, rock climbing is hard. <laughs> yeah. So I can understand that one. Pottery is also very hard. You, yeah. you would come home from pottery class and your arms would look like the rock. Thank you. I'm going to take that as a compliment. You should. But now I'm realizing that just the act of learning something new, even if it is only over a short period of time, is valuable in itself. Sure. And that I don't need to feel bad about not committing to something like for the rest of my life. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, so I wanted to do some research on kind of what what benefits you got from that and kind of what it said about the brain, like as you try to learn things as you get older. Yeah. Uh, so first what I found was a lot of like – Adult, adult stuff, like a person. Pornography. <laughs> what pornography does to your brain. Yeah. Well, your your algorithm is as such that when you Google anything, you have to sift, you have to wade through a good few pages of pornography before you can reach the sort of salient <laughs> search, search results. But the important thing is that you tried, you yeah, know? Yeah, sure. You put the effort in to find new pornography. Uh, yeah. <laughs> now, I'm talking about like people who are dealing with like, the effects of aging, like people in their like 60s and 70s who like are at risk for a number of health conditions, right? Namely, like dementia, for example, um, and how the benefits of learning new things for them are, are significant, particularly if it's like a hard thing. There was a research, um, or a research study that I saw from uh, UT Dallas that talked about assigning 200 older people different activities. One was just like a more social activity. One was actually specifically digital photography and Photoshop. Cool. <laughs> it was interesting. They they showed an interview with one of the guys who was like, it was really quite a challenge for me when I got into the photo class because it involved a computer and I had never even touched a computer. I love that. <laughs> when was this study done? Uh, this was 2014. Okay. So we should have been all, we should all <laughs> you have would think. met. Uh, Mrs. Beacon and done her incredible typing classes <laughs> at this point. Uh, but that um, the greatest improvement was for people who learned digital photography and Photoshop uh, because it was perhaps the most difficult. Whereas the people that did tasks that were maybe simpler didn't have as long term of uh, gains. Well, and also they learn Photoshop. Yeah. Which and, is fun. You know, they can go and make themselves look young in all of their photos. Or stronger or... <laughs> It is actually something my grandma used to do when she got into like retouching photos. She would always improve her neck. <laughs> and she was like, I did not know that. She was like, I haven't seen my real neck and I don't know how long. <laughs> Rachel, we've, we've, I mean, we've talked a bit about Rachel's grandmother on this show, maybe even in this exact context, but Rachel's grandmother was an early adopter of computers mm -hmm. and specifically was into early computer games. Yeah. And so like showed you like Wolfenstein and a lot of like CD-ROM games. Yeah. Um, like I learned about like Heretic and Doom from my grandma. That's so <laughs> here just hearing you say Heretic out loud. I know. Really, really makes me excited. Yeah. Um, but then I wanted to look like more specifically at like adults, you know, in our age group. Yeah. Um, so there was a New Yorker article that came out in 2021. 
uh, where they interviewed a variety of authors who have kind of written about this thing. Um, one of them was uh, Rich Carlgard, who was the author of Late Bloomers, The Hidden Strengths of Learning and Succeeding at Your Own Pace. Uh, and he said that uh, our brains are constantly forming neural networks and pattern recognition capabilities that we didn't have in our youth when we had blazing synaptic horsepower. Uh, so he talks about a couple of things. He talked about fluid intelligence, which is your ability to suss out novel challenges and think on your feet. And he said that this is often enriched by advancing age uh, and the particular cognitive skills rise and fall at different rates across your lifespan. He said that processing speed peaks in your late teens and short-term memory for names at around 22. That sounds right to me. Short-term memory for faces at around 30. And vocabulary at around 50. Cool. Yeah, no, I remember words much better than names. <laughs> That's why I usually give people names that are just words in my mind. I think about that a lot because I feel like if you asked me to name 50 people I went to high school with, I could do it. Really? Yes. First and last. Well, okay, that is cheating because like I like I had a lot of Jessicas. I could just <laughs> say Jessica, 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 Jessica. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I th I feel like, but if I had to name anybody I went to college with, it gets a little bit harder. That's a really good point. That's yeah. That's a really good point. I mean, granted, you had more continued access to people when you were younger. Sure, yeah. But still, like, it, it's, it's interesting to think about that. I also thought it was interesting, short-term memory for faces at around 30. This is something that's, that's come up for us, I feel like, because we have met a lot of parents yeah. Uh, at Henry School. Yeah. And many of them I can recognize on site. I could not tell you what their, their name was. Yeah. Um, part of it is my own fault because someone will tell me their name and I will do nothing to retain it. <laughs> There's a little guy in my head <laughs> that you activate by saying, oh, sorry, what's your name? And then the guy turns on and the guy's just like. <laughs> and then the guy's like, just say, oh, cool. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, yeah. All right. We went to a, a function the other day where people had to wear name tags, and I was so grateful for it. Normalize this. Normalize this. Normalize. Just well, daily name tags. Do you remember when people would wear jewelry that with their name, like J-Lo sort of got that ball yeah. spinning? Yeah. That would be so huge if we all could have just sort of like accessories with our names. That on. reminds me. I was in a conference with somebody earlier today who wore their astrological sign around their neck. Awesome. And I, I just thought a lot about it. I thought, like, I bet that's a great conversation starter. Were you able to clock the astrological sign? No, because it was one I didn't know a whole lot about. Sagittarius. Yeah. The fish. I think. The archer. No. The archer. <laughs> the deer. I think that's actually what our sun is, maybe. I think it's like a fall sign. I don't really know a lot about it. But I just thought like, oh, wouldn't it be great if I knew anything at all and I could speak to that with this person? Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't. It's a shame. So I'm a I Shagatarius. <laughs> you know what makes me sad? <laughs> Is that's probably going to be the episode title. And that makes me sad. Well, that's the challenge. The, glo the, the, the glove has been dropped. Oh, now we have to say now something more compelling. Now we have to say something better than Shagatarius. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think this is particularly interesting, and this article talks about it. In Science and Technology, uh, the article says we often think of people who make precocious breakthroughs as the true geniuses. For example, Einstein developed his theory of relativity at 26. 
And at the time, Einstein said, quote, a person who has not made his great contribution to science before the age of 30 will never do so. Awesome. <laughs> Get him. That's easy to say if you're Albert Einstein. Uh, but in a 2014 paper uh, for the National Bureau of Economic Research, the average age at which people made significant contributions to science has been rising during the 20th century, notably to 48 for physicists. Okay, but as, as just a sort of counterpoint to that, it's important from a statistics standpoint to keep in mind that people don't die when they're like 48 years old <laughs> That's anymore. A good point. That's a good point. Used to be you got to 48 and you were like, oh man, any second now, right? I should just stop doing science and go hit the beach. But now it's, you know... Now we're now we got longevity. That's a good because point. Because of science. That's a good point. Thanks, thanks, science. We don't say thanks, that enough. Thanks, thanks science. science. You're doing great. The other thing I wanted to say um, is that there has been research to say that people may learn better when they are learning multiple skills at once. A recent huh. study looked at the experiences of adults over 55 who learned three new skills at once. For example, Spanish drawing and music composition found that they not only acquired proficiency in these areas, but improved their cognitive functioning overall, including working and episodic memory. So it's basically like go back to school. School, yeah. <laughs> it's called school. That did make. I never really thought about the fact like you have to take a certain number of classes when you are a student, but now it makes me wonder. Like, oh, is that it's for just a reason? A compound effect. Yeah. I probably. thought it was like to just get you out there as quick as possible. Yeah, your parents like, have to work for eight hours today, so we need to find lots of stuff to fill, <laughs> in, to fill up here. Do you feel? I, I've almost certainly talked about that this on the show before, but like an uh, overwhelming sense of guilt for like I'm so deeply curious as an adult about anything and like delight in, you know, t tumbling into a, you know, a YouTube crash course uh, and just like learning about a thing. And then I think, well, shit, I had the opportunity to do I that know. Uh, for, for many hours in my youth that I just did not, could not have been asked to do. Yeah. That's a bummer. Yeah, it is. And also, I a lot of what I was reading suggested that like, the interactive element of like sitting in a classroom is can be really valuable. Like it is easy to watch a video and think that you are retaining and learning at your full potential. But like, to have the feedback and the engagement is actually yeah, sure, a more accurate demonstration. Yeah. Okay, so the last thing I'll say so there is a 2017 paper by Rachel Wu, who is in neuroscience at UC Riverside, uh, proposes six factors that are needed to sustain cognitive development. I'm listening. These include what the Stanford psychology professor Carol Dweck calls a growth mindset, the belief that abilities are not fixed but can improve with effort. Yeah. Like, yeah, of course. A commitment to serious rather than hobby learning in which the learner casually picks up skills over a short period of time and then quits due to difficulty. Yeah. <laughs> that would be maybe an issue that I have had in the past. Or everyone over the pandemic, every living human Very being. Very true. Uh, a forgiving environment that promotes what Dweck calls a not yet rather than a cannot approach. Cool. Which, of course, that's, that's tremendously valuable for me. I, I like, for example, I don't know that I would take up, you know, like rocket science at this point. You know, because uh, if you struggle with that, there are some real consequences. But I you feel like- You blow up a rocket in space and people get hurt? Is yeah, that the consequence? Yeah, yeah. But if you take on something that like, maybe you don't know it yet, but you can kind of struggle towards success, like maybe that's a better thing to take up now is what I'm saying. I agree. 
And the final one is a habit of learning multiple skills simultaneously, which I just mentioned, which may help by encouraging the application of capacities acquired in one domain to the other. So that's another thing we didn't mention, is that when you're learning a bunch of stuff at once, you can kind of ping pong them off of each other, which gives you like a new kind of understanding. Yeah. We had this great opportunity at my high school. I don't know if I've talked about it before. It was... uh junior and senior year, you could take your literature class paired with your history class. So it'd be a two hour block and half the block you would spend reading a book of the time. And then the other half, you would talk about the historical aspects. And it was incredible. Oh, I was. it sounds mad boring to me, <laughs> but you and I feel different ways about stuff. Sometimes. So we would, le- we would look, for example, like we read The Grapes of Wrath and then we learned about like depression era, like US and kind of yeah, but see, I don't want to do either of those things. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I just felt like all classes should be taught this way. I mean, obviously, it's a little trickier with math because then you'd be like, well, if you had... Math and cooking. <laughs> that would be kick-ass. Yeah, that's math true. Math and music. Yeah. That's great. Spoiler that's alert. That's what my segment is going to be this week. Yeah. So I think that that's a good pairing. So anyway, I just... I, the whole reason I brought this up, it was also kind of helpful for me because I always... Whenever I sit down to do something, I'm like, well, how long are you really going to do this, Rachel? Yeah. You know, it's just kind of my own, like, I don't want to start something I don't think I can finish. But like, this is just a reminder of like, there is always value in putting time into learning something, even if you don't stick with it. I find that in my adult life, I am having to deprogram sort of all or nothing thinking in general, especially yeah. when it comes to areas of self-improvement or or learning, where it's like... Like, you know, I could start playing piano again routinely and like, you know, practice my scales and what have you, but I'm never going to play at Carnegie Hall. So what's the fucking point of any of it? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. As, that is tend- that's how my brain tends to go. And I have mm-hmm. to fight, fight that instinct at every, every step. Can I steal you away? Yes. Thanks. <laughs> Griffin? Yeah. You know what's a shame? What? Is that when you order uh, meals to be delivered to you, they can only be for dinner. That's true because of the law. But wait, wait, what's this coming across our desk? The law is different now? (laughs) It's factor. These rebels are operating outside the boundaries of food law. (laughs) Factor has breakfast. They have midday bites. They have smoothies. Uh, There's lots of stuff you can get with Factor. What other things can you get with Factor? Well, I'm looking at this menu right now. They got a lot of tasty little options for you. I'm talking about artichoke and spinach chicken with roasted zucchini and tomato butter. Did you even know that butter could be tomato? (laughs) Not me. Shredded chicken and loaded mashed taters. With I changed the word. They say potatoes, but I said taters, precious. With mushroom <laughs> gravy, smoked cheddar, uh, bacon, and Parmesan broccoli. Uh, this this menu is out of sight, and my mouth is just watering looking at these glossy JPEGs of tasty food. So head to factormeals.com slash wonderful50 and use code wonderful50 to get 50% off. That's code wonderful50 at factormeals.com slash wonderful50 to get 50% off. It can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace. Um, there's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't vis-a-vis um, website design or website functionality, and you think, that I could never be that. I could never be among their illustrious ranks. Griffin, if I wanted to build a website where I ranked my favorite episodes of Ghostwriter, would I be able to do that? Well, first of all, it would be 
the same list as everybody else's with the Julia Styles <laughs> episode at the top. But yes, you can do that with Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. Do you want to have special functionality, like maybe a members-only VIP club section of your website? You can do that. Do you want to sell stuff? Yeah, you can do that too. Do you want to have an online scheduler so that people you can you can sell? Uh, your time yeah you can do that also anything is possible that's um th- for the commercial the Super Bowl commercial they had that was my voice yelling anything is possible in the wow background. yeah not a lot of people know that hey head to squarespace.com slash wonderful pod for a free trial and when you're ready to launch use offer code wonderful pod to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain What is up, people of the world? Do you have an argument that you keep having with your friends and you just can't seem to settle it? And you're sitting there arguing about whether it's Star Trek or Star Wars, or you can't decide what is the best nut or can't agree on what is the best cheese. Stop doing that. Listen to We Got This with Mark and Hal only on Max Fun. Your topics asked and answered objectively, definitively for all time. So don't worry, everybody. We We got got this. this. We got this. Hey, Sydney, you're a physician and the co-host of Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine, right? That's true, Justin. Is it true that our medical history podcast is just as good as a visit to your primary care physician? No, Justin, that is absolutely not true. Uh, However, our podcast is funny and interesting and a great way to learn about the medical misdeeds of the past, as well as some current not so legit healthcare fads. So you're saying that by listening to our podcast, people will feel better. Sure. And isn't that the same reason that you go to the doctor? Well, uh, you could say that. And our podcast is free? Yes, it is free. You heard it here first, folks. Sawbones, Meryl Tour of Misguided Medicine, right here on Maximum Fun. Just as good as going to the doctor. No, no, no. Still not just as good as going to the doctor, but but pretty good. It's up there. I think it's really funny that that was the segment that you had, because my segment is sort of the case, like proof of that uh, in, in practice of like a thing I have been learning about the past couple of weeks that I've gotten very excited and fascinated in that I'm now going to attempt to explain and probably only do a sort of okay job of it. If I can pull off sort of okay job on this, then I will be uh, thrilled. Um, I want to talk about microtones. It's a fun name already. Uh, and do you know, do you know anything about this? Cause you grew, you played music for school you played instruments and stuff but i don't know how like funky with the theory they got no uh uh, in fact one might say there was no theory (laughs) i i mean we learned how to read music uh and we practiced playing music um but i never really understood anything about it i mean i would say being able to read music it represents a pretty firm understanding of the core principles of, of yeah, music. but it was like more memorization than like I don't know why it I, I didn't good. have any kind of deeper access to it. I I I don't have like a I you know I've been making music for Adventure Zone to varying degrees. Uh, I used to make it a lot more, and and so you know th- this is not a this is not false humility. Like I did not have a particularly formal like music education growing up outside of like piano class in high school, which was very much the same like memorize the notes in order that you play in order to get a passing grade on the thing uh but uh, my youtube algorithm now is like 
all wild music theory stuff. Um, and I find that whole sector of YouTube just like infinitely watchable because I've been listening to music for such a long time and I love listening to music, but the more I watch of these videos, the more I like understand the fact that like I only understand maybe 2% of like music theory and yeah. why music sounds good and, and, uh, you know, chord, uh, progression like logic and all of that all of that jazz and jazz uh i i'm so like out of the loop that's on, the thing like if i had done any kind of improvisational music i think i would have learned a lot you more. would have to yeah right this is yeah the 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 basics of that i think i got onto this track by the way by watching like a lot of lawrence uh videos and wolfpeck like a lot of uh, like Joe Dart bass solos and shit like that. And then that I followed a sort of path through, there's a guy named Jacob Collier who is very, very prominent in this scene. He has a great video he did with Wired where he explained the concept of harmony to five different groups of people. So there was like a kid and then like a, a middle schooler and then a, like a, a college student and then a professional pianist and then Herbie Hancock. And it's just like a con- evolving conversation about harmony throughout those. I that I love that shit. And so this yeah. is like where I've gotten uh, deep into what my my fascination these past couple of weeks is microtones. So I'm going to try and summarize this. And I don't have like a music theory background, so if you don't, I hopefully this you can grok this. Uh, so pretty much all music, all Western music at, at least for the past like five centuries, has been created using a series of twelve notes that fall along what's called an equal temperament. Uh-huh. That's the 12 notes that we have. So you think about a piano, you have the seven white keys and an octave and then the five black keys, right? Okay. You uh-huh. have, um, you know, A to G and then the the flats and sharps. Those mm-hmm. this is the 12 notes that we have divided the the music system that uh-huh. we all know. And that is called an equal temperament. It was sort of like codified in the 16th century and it all works because the wavelength of all 12 of those notes uh, follow like a logarithmic scale. They follow a pattern so that they play nicely together to the ear, uh, I guess, subjectively, right? Like this is this is just the way that music has been because people thought it sounded good in like the 1560s and then people were like, fuck yeah, man, that's great. Let's Let's go with it. And there's an infinite way of like exploring just those 12 notes. And that is where you get most of like yeah. composed music. Uh, A440 is the standard tuning. That's 440 hertz for the A above middle C. That is like the goal, the the, the starting point for how you would tune that 12 note scale. Uh-huh. Uh, everything would be in relation to that following this logarithmic pattern. It's it's called 12 EDO is another way of describing it. 12 equal divisions of octave. Um, and what I have learned because of weird music theory YouTube is that that is not the only way to divide up an octave into a series of notes. For example, there's something, a much, much older way of doing this called the Arab tone system, which is one of the oldest equal temperament models, where instead it uses 24 equal divisions of an octave, so twice as many. This, I think, is kind of easy to visualize, even if you've never heard a song using 24 EDO, because it's just like you think about the step between... Uh, you know, C and C sharp, just imagine an invisible step between those Weird. two, right? And it does sound, it sounds uh, pretty wild. You can listen to like a full 
range of the 24 notes on this uh this division of the octave uh and it sounds wild it sounds it sounds wrong to an ear that has been trained to just think in terms of 12 edo equal to yeah uh but this is an older sort of way of thinking about notes and tones uh it still has scales it still operates on scales following like wicked different rules but scales of seven notes uh with different intervals between them but it can pull from twice as many tones as a traditional 12 edo sort of uh tonal scale um so like that still kind of makes mathematical sense right like it's just our 12 note model but with a half step between each of the things right you can kind of even if you're not listening to that you can kind of envision what that sounds like right then you can get into like really, really wild shit. So like a very popular one in like weird YouTube theory uh, is 31 EDO. This is 31 equal divisions of the octave. So now it's not like you're moving from C to a weird C, C sharp to C sharp to a weird C sharp D to D. Now it's like fucking all like yeah. it does not divide evenly at all. And so you hear some. Uh, you know, you can get to the standard range of, you know, natural notes that are in there, but scattered in there is just a fucking plethora of other wild sounds that do not divide up evenly into like any other type of music you've ever heard before. Uh, it sounds very, very strange. You have to like compose in a completely different way. The harmonies are all completely different. Uh, and it still sounds kind of strange bad to the ear if you are not kind of like accustomed to it or able to sort of like think about it in like a weird lateral way uh i find that so fucking cool i find that so cool because it's not like a new genre of music it's not like a new instrument playing a song it's not like a new composition that is an arrangement that is clever you've never heard before it's like what if there was different math and, yeah. uh, and and that is like really very, very cool and exciting. What sort of makes it more exciting is that uh, a lot of the videos that I have watched of people playing piano in 31 EDO, you can't just use a piano, right? Because it doesn't have the buttons for it. Uh, it uses a device called a Lumitone, which I sent you a video of yeah. someone playing this instrument. Okay, okay. And it is gigantic. It's like the size of my desk. And it is covered in like a few dozen glowing hexagons uh -huh. that you that are sort of look like they follow a piano pattern of like, you know, notes in, in rows, except there's like six rows of, yeah. of different shades and they play like the different, you know, semi flats and and other weird. Yeah, I thought it was like a soundboard, which I mean, I guess it basically is. But like, I didn't realize it was like a whole new system. Of yeah. Music. So the, the whole Lumitone system is is uh, specifically for pianists to explore other uh equal divisions of octave because 31 is not the uh, not the only other one there's like yeah. uh i mean virtually you can divide up an octave any number of notes That's that you true. want some of it makes a little bit more mathematical sense than other ones and 31 just happens to be a sort of standardized version of that this thing looks like the flight deck of like an alien spacecraft it looks really really sick uh and I, I realize I've described like a music theory thing without uh, actually playing it. And I probably haven't done a great job explaining it. I apologize if there's like, you know, music majors out there who have been pulling their hair out listening to this. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to play a, uh, a piece by a YouTuber named Gianna E. Rose. Uh, and it, it's in 31 EDO on one of these like crazy Lumitone keyboards that you should uh, just look up a video of because they are sort of hypnotizing just to see. Uh, it's an etude. 
I don't think I'm saying that word correctly, uh, but it's a, a piece called Paranola, uh, and it is just this minute-long microtonal piece that it just boggles my mind. So I'm going to play that now. I say something? Yeah. I thought it sounded a little bit like the music they would play in Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Oh, wow. Like, but like, but you know, like the little transitional music and the music they'd play, like when they would go to the land of make-believe. I don't know why. Maybe it's just like the kind of, I don't, I don't know. I don't have a lot of reference points for like kind of jazzy piano. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that, that has more to do with like the jazzy nature of the piece and less to do with like the microtonal yeah. nature of the, of the piece. Cause I don't know if Mr. Rogers neighborhood got that fucking trippy. <laughs> no, probably not. Uh, Cause it like a lot of music theory is like uh, sort of in an abstract manner, describe how. A, a different sort of composition can elicit a different mood or a different feeling, right? Like you get into talking about uh, how chord progressions resolve or don't resolve to like create tension. The idea of like a major key being positive, happy, bright, and a minor key being like sad and melancholy, even though like that's a human association. Like those those notes don't it, that's not a sad note on the piano it's just like when you hear a minor key you your brain thinks like oh that is a sad that is a downbeat thing as opposed to an upbeat major thing all of that is like how we map our emotions and and response to the to the music that we hear right and the microtonal pieces it feels like just like comes swinging in on a vine and just like smashes through the wall Kool-Aid man style like what do you fucking make of this I bet you don't know because it doesn't even use notes that like my first blush is like it kind of sounds like a, a piano that's out of tune being played. But then like in the context of a bigger piece, as it starts to like, you know, contextualize itself and yeah. harmonize with itself in these like weird offshoot notes. It's like, oh, there's a, a lot of comments that are on on that video that I just uh, played a clip from uh, that kind of like echo my first thought, which is like it's like seeing a color that you haven't seen before yeah. which is not really an experience you get to have in the visual realm all that often but yeah. like this is this is something that like once i started watching these like weird microtonal microtonal compositions it's like oh okay so like there's a whole different ball game that is out there uh that is like infinite and kind of crazy uh and i just think that's so cool that is cool i don't know that i'm gonna be like you know bopping to microtonal beats on the, i mean who knows though you know the future the future of music can be there yeah it's 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 almost like like finding a secret room or like a secret passageway it's just like this this idea that 
I don't know, there's this whole other existence that you yeah. hadn't even considered. Anyway, that's, I hope I did an okay enough job uh, trying to explain that. Uh, hey, I got some small wonders here. Um, I would like to read them. Mel says, my small wonder is sharpening my set of colored pencils. There's something satisfying about the routine and seeing them all freshly sharpened right before starting a new coloring page. That's really great. I do like that. I miss colored pencils a lot. I guess I could just get some. Uh-huh. I'm an adult. <laughs> You're an adult. Awesome. <laughs> Alex says, my small wonder is static electricity at night, like when spreading a blanket over a bed. Seeing the dim flashes of tiny lightning uh, really is a cool reminder of how the world is the same, even if the scale is different. Beautiful. Beautiful. I like that. I used yeah. to like biting into certs in a closet, getting that little spark. <laughs> I don't know if that's the same concept. We have a lot of static electricity experience on our trampoline. That's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. That's time, fun. I have my face against like the mesh net surrounding the thing, like pushing it in, trying to like do like a funny, you know, a funny face uh-huh. for the kids bouncing on it. And then Gus reached forward and touched me through the screen and it hurt like it hurt. Like the zap <laughs> was so fucking powerful. He actually touched my lip through the screen yeah. and it zapped my lip and it like really, really uh, like I felt numb <laughs> for a little bit afterwards. Thank you to Bowen and Augustus for the use of our theme song, Money Won't Pay. You can find a link to that in the episode description. Why don't you go check that out for me? And um, go check out all the stuff we have over at MaximumFun.org. We got some details. Our Candle Nights virtual uh, spectacular is going to be happening again this year. Uh, All all proceeds are going to be going to Benefit Harmony House. And we're going to have a bunch of fun stuff. You can watch it. You know, live when we put it up or video on demand. And um, you can find all the details for that over at macroy.family. Perhaps not as important, but just as exciting is the now promised return of Till Death Do Us Blart. Yes. Uh, yes. yes. <laughs> there was a while there where we were wondering if we were going to be able to do that project yeah, this year uh-huh. with the ongoing strike. But um, Fran and the gang have given us the all clear. So. <laughs> Uh, that is where Griffin and his brothers and uh, Tim Bat and Guy Montgomery uh, are our friends in New Zealand. Correct. Yes. Uh, they all get together and they watch Paul Blart Mall Cop Two. Yes, which is now on the flicks. And uh, rep- record a, a commentary or a, an experience track. This is our tenth year. Jesus Christ. I is that know. possible? I don't, it can't be. Oh, I can't. I can't. I can't think about that. I can't do that. <laughs> I can't do that right now. It's a delight. It's very good. I haven't watched it this year, but have I made you watch it? Uh, I watched maybe part of it with you. Let's, let's do it. Let's get, let's do it this year. We have so much that we like watching that we haven't, haven't been able to talk about. That's true. That's or true. watching our flags means our flags. Our flags is death, Our flags guys. is death right our now. Our flags is death. <laughs> so good it's real good um but enough of that enough of us away with us enjoy Mm -hmm. your day off with you sorry we're late again it's fucking wild over here it is Maximum Fun, a worker-owned network of artist-owned shows, supported directly by you.